Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. And today, we've got mail. That's right, folks. We're in our mailbag, and this is something we're going to be doing once a month, reading your, your mail Woo. and answering your questions. We're locking in. Absolutely. Sean Linda, you ready to answer some of these questions? I'm ready to answer some of these questions. I just want to say for those that are listening to other people's questions get answers, don't be hate. Appreciate because you have the opportunity where you can send in your questions as well. Whatever questions you send in, these two black guys and this lady with the facts, we're going to try to answer them. So listen to what other people have to say and, uh, and send you questions of your own. And when you're sending a question, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and other places oh. where you listen to our <laughs> podcast and give us a five-star rating. <laughs> hey, hey, got to hey, throw it in, bro. put it in the gotta, hey. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's get it started with our first, um, our first bit of mail. It's from a gentleman named Joel. And his question, Sean is about bonds. He wants to know, are bonds going to beat the rate of inflation? Well, like I tell everybody that asks me, it's funny, I had a question today about the market and, and you know, if we all had a crystal ball, how rich would oh, we be, right? Wouldn't we? So, exactly. So the question is, is like, you know, nobody, all, when you're looking at investing, you're really looking at past performance and see how something is produced and how well it's performed. But past performance doesn't guarantee future performance. So when you ask a question like, can bonds beat the rate of inflation, it, it, it's a question that's really hard to answer because we don't know what the future holds. You know, we don't know if it's going to be an inflation, if, the, if it, we keep doing these uh, trade wars, if it's going to cause an inflationary period that, hey, the, the, the rate of inflation may go up and the bond market may stay down or vice versa. Is, is there a pattern that's more tra- like traditionally, do they do bonds traditionally beat? The rate of inflation? Well, then I would, that's a question. Depends what type of bonds you invest in. There's, you know, if you listen to our show, you know, our bond show is, uh, it's time to bond. We go through all the different types of bonds. It depends on your risk tolerance. So you could do, you know, a bond that's high risk bond, maybe a junk bond, but it turns out to be performing really well and you get a high rate of return. Or you can be conservative and you do more of a, a treasury bond or, or, or um, more of a treasury bond or a government bond where the rates aren't as aggressive, 
but you know they probably stay on par or just slightly beat the rate of inflation. So I guess to, an- to answer your question, if you stay conservative with your bond selection, you will most likely beat the rate of conf- inflation. But if you get aggressive and get into a little riskier bonds, we could potentially beat, but you could also potentially not beat the rate of inflation. So to follow up then, also for, for new investors, do you have a recommendation for a first-time investor in the bond market, which way to go? Or is it kind of just everyone's going to have to... It's, once again, it comes down to your risk tolerance. I think if you're younger, you could um, be a little more aggressive with the type of bonds you invest in. But as you get older, you should reduce your level of risk. Like I'm in my, I guess I'm middle age right now. So I'm kind of being somewhat conservative when it comes to uh, bonds. Dion, do you have any, any um, information you'd like to add to this bond uh, topic? I, just, I was just going to add just on a high level, um, according to the latest survey of capital market forecasts, uh, by, by some of the leading investment firms, and they're just saying that with the with the the recession, I guess, um, eminent or you know looming, that um, overall they don't see bonds or stocks, you know, having the same type of strong gain that they they have they've been having to date. So just keeping that in mind, this is when you're deciding to tow it in. Okay. Let me just add a couple of points here, Maddie. Matt, um, when it comes to bonds and the stock market and interest rates. The bonds in the stock market have been happily divorced for a number of years, meaning that they have an inverse relationship. You understand what I'm saying? One doesn't really follow the other. Got it. So when the interest rates are high, bond rates are low. And when bond rates are low, interest rates are high. Did I say it the opposite? Or when, in, when bond rates are high, interest rates are low. And the stock market, when the stock market's performing, the bond market is not performing as well. And when the bond market is performing, the stock market isn't performing as well. Now, you may ask yourself your question, the question, how is this possible? Well, this comes to my last point. We did a great episode that talked about this in detail. It's called, our show, show was called, remember that show, A Time to Bond? Yes, that was a great show. Right, which really broke down the reason why there's an inverse relationship. So I recommend that all you listeners, take a, take a good listen to our Time to Bond show, and it'll really explain in detail what, how that inverse relationship um, happens. Okay, so people, if you want to learn more about the bond market, be sure to check the archives for our show, A Time to Bond. Well, let's get back to the mailbag. Our next question is, again, from Joel. We have a second question from Joel, he, he's, and he's listening to the same episode for the third time about credit. Joel says, I'm a 23-year-old black wow, man. Wow, three times a charm. Three, three times Joel. a charm. He, he really <laughs> was into this episode. Um, or we can say once, twice, three times. I'm reading. Hey, hey, you know, I got to throw my old school songs in there. Uh, wow. We can never Lionel, escape. Lionel Richie today, bro. Lionel Richie. Right, I want well, a music contract. Whoever's listening, sign me up. Okay, well, back to Joel's question. Back to Joel. <laughs> He's a 23-year-old black man from Birmingham. He has four credit cards and a 526 credit score. I have $900 in debt on my credit pulling me down. So uh, I guess Joel is really asking how to best manage this situation. Sounds to me like you have a manageable, like, like the, the debt's right? not crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, $900 to one person could be different. To, for, you know, every person's yes. situation is different. Yes. Um, but I would definitely suggest that you want to make sure you you want to keep some of the you want to keep your cards active to, as you're trying to boost this 526 Absolutely. score is what I would say Absolutely. but you want to also pay down your debt uh, so you know what i mean just to put things in perspective Joel and like Matt said we're not taking away that everybody's situation is different but the average american now holds about $38,000 in personal debt 
right? And that's excluding home mortgages. So I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a boost, Joel. I don't, the fact you said it's pulling you down, we would definitely see this as you getting out of it pretty quickly um, with being strategic. And you I know? think the fact that he's 23, he's probably yeah. new to the whole credit thing. And, and, and right. I'm not sure, you know, in terms so, of early in his, perf- his adult life. Uh-huh. Might be feeling a little overwhelmed, maybe, Joel. But just, just want to make sure, well, first of all, you, you took the first step. You're listening to our show. Um, the next thing is actually taking action. Um, the fact you have four cards, we don't know the distribution. Um, if it's all heavily weighted on one card, it might be your debt to debt to income rate. Um, it might be your utilization rate. Right. If you have one card that's sitting with $800, um, that might be why one reason why it might be pulling you down. Um, we don't know the full picture here. If, if, um, you're making your payments on time, um, that could be another thing that could really help boost your, you know, give you a, a boost. And, and also I would add and reiterate, because as, as 23, when I was 23, I, I was very much in the dark on, on credit. And, it, and I think it's kind of, it may be counterintuitive. I think you were just, I think you were just in the dark, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a compliment actually this time, Matty Matt. <laughs> anyway, my point is when I was at that age, I was very much in the dark on credit. And I think, it might it, the instinct might be to think, let me just pay off all these cards and cut them up, and then that'll then that'll help my credit. But please believe that you know you, you need to keep these accounts open, Joel. Like at least some don't. If you want to pay them off, I get it. You want to get your debt under under control. If you're feeling like the number the debt is pulling you down, but you also want to raise you want to raise that number up that credit score. So to do that, you don't want to just pay off the debt and cut up your cards. So you want to keep the credit. Yeah, you want to you want to really max, uh, I guess, leverage the time Correct. that you have to really build that credit history. So that's very, very important. Um, and again, just to put things into perspective, when they're looking at people that have at least one card or more, the average person, and that's according to a, a data Gallup poll, uh, have about three point seven cards. So again, you're not, you know, out the ballpark, Joel. Now, also, Joel, one other thing, one last thing from from me on this is at twenty three. You know, please make sure you understand. I don't know if you're living at home, if you're on, if you're on your own, if you know what kind of employment you, you have. But, you know, and if you listen to the credit show for you know three times, I'm sure you're pretty knowledgeable. You're, you're, you're really into this topic. But, you know, make sure people out there, young folks, you know, when you get those early credit cards, sometimes that's the trap on college campuses. They try to get you these cards early. And if you don't have a job or if you're over, you don't want to overextend and mess up your credit young. So I don't know, like I said, where if you're paying rent if you're living at home but like whatever your situation is make sure you you know you are properly budgeting and spending this isn't magic money as our guest last week talked about how Mm -hmm. she felt credit cards were like magic money this is not magic money you do have to pay these back and make sure you do not overspend on these four credit cards and do take a moment to listen to that uh, last show uh, since you brought it up matt um, it's 30 something. And uh, she's she's in your she's you know, she's in your wheelhouse. She's a millennial. And that that show does appeal to people from all ages who are just trying to navigate this credit thing. And um, I did mention there are a couple of strategies there uh, for anyone who has multiple credit cards, one being the avalanche and the other being the snowball strategy. So definitely take a listen. Yeah, well, the first, it, it, you know, the first thing he has to do is be in the mindset of paying his bills on time and then getting making sure that that's one. Paying your bills on time. Even if you haven't paid them on time in the past, it starts today. 
paying your bills on time. And when you're paying your bills on time, you want to pay above the minimum, all right? And then you want to do the math on, that's point number two, sorry, of paying above the minimum. And point number three is you want to do the math on all the cards to make sure that you haven't used up more than 70% of the available balance. Because once you start getting into less than 30% and your car is beginning to come max out, you begin to look in the, credit, in the lender's eyes as being desperate and they don't want to lend you money. So raising your credit score is not an instant turnaround thing like people like to say. Sometimes it can take time unless there's something that you can adjust immediately. So I don't know, Sean, is that your house or is that Arlington? I'm hearing like a hammer. Yeah, it's the neighbor next to me, sorry. So. <laughs> Arlington. Sean, go out there and tell the man stop hammering you and recording a show. <laughs> <laughs> Bite. Uh, Bite. Uh, let, me try, let me try and go to another room. Let me go to the bedroom. <laughs> Let me go to the bedroom. This is why yeah. I should not do any international travel. International. <laughs> I was like, what is that sound? <laughs> yeah, that was like, what's going on? <laughs> All right, can you hear it still? I'm in another room now. Is it, can you still hear it? Or are we good? Now we're good. I think we're, I think we're good. Yep. Can I put my white jacket on for a second? Sure. I'm not sure, <laughs> I've quite never, sure what that means. Yeah, this is new. But put on, put on the white jacket, Sean. Explain that put to us. Put on my mask. Uh, just call me Dr. Linda. Oh, I think. Uh, oh, he just got promoted. Doctor of Doctor Finance. I think when we listen to this, and I and I'm looking at his question, and I'm seeing he has a 526 credit score, and over four credit cards, even they're not spread out. He only has nine hundred dollars in debt. I think he may be misdiagnosing diagnosing himself. You know, it's almost a guy that's walking around can't walk, but it says it was just a sprain. I think something is broken here, and we need to fix it. So I think I think that what you need to do, Joel, is really pull your credit score and credit report and kind of maybe have a professional or somebody go through your credit report with you to find out what's really going on. Because I don't really think that even though I can I mean, we always say if you listen to our credit, our first show, um, credit, the good, the bad and the ugly, um, that you're we can't we don't know how much your score can drop by. Nobody knows the amount, but. It seems very unlikely that if you only have nine hundred dollars in debt, that and for over four credit cards, that your score would only be five hundred and twenty-six. So I think you really need to re-examine your credit report and try to really dig deeper into it to see what's really causing this drop. And that's my doctor note for the day. Well, well thank you, Doctor Linda. Thank you for the the prescription there ordered, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Linda. Well, let, let's go back into the mailbag and and see what else we have. Uh, next up. We have a letter from Andrea. She says, Sean, I would love to hear more about your real estate experience. So, Dr. Linda, maybe you could put on your real estate uh, jacket. Or jacket or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Break that down. Oh, maybe it's well, a sweater. Okay, I've been, it's sweater in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I've been doing real estate now for about maybe 15, 16 years. Um, I started off actually just really looking, living with my brother and then wanting to move out. And I didn't want the age of 30 to hit me and I was still living there. So I decided I was looking at rentals in New York and I saw how expensive it was. And actually my good chap Arlington was living in this area that I called Fort Greene, Brooklyn. And when I went there, I just fell in love with the neighborhood. And I just made up my mind that I want to live in that neighborhood, but I, I want to buy it. I want to rent in that neighborhood. So I started looking at brownstones to make a long story short. And I kind of lost half my money in trying to buy in the foreclosure market. So then I had to kind of find something I could more afford. So I went and I was able to buy a, a co-op 
and really the only reason why I was I bought this co-op was because the realtor that was selling me she was also investing in that as well. So I said, well, if she's going to buy in this building, then I then I think it's a smart choice. So after I bought, she encouraged me to see if I could flip it. So I paid eighty thousand dollars, and she said, I she said, how much do you want for it? I said, let me try to double my money. I listed it at one sixty three, and a few months later, I was able to sell it and double my money. And from there, I bought other buildings and began flipping. And, you know, I, I eventually got to what I really wanted was a brownstone. And then I bought an investment property and some properties overseas. And now I'm more like I, I, I'm still looking to purchase, but I really more manage my tenants. I will, I will say this as well. You know, had I just stuck with the first property I bought, I never ventured out into being, to getting to other real estate ventures or not sold it. I probably wouldn't be doing this show today, and I definitely wouldn't be teaching financial literacy. Doing that move and flipping and buying properties just opened the doors to create other opportunities for me. And, it, and real estate has been like the foundation of my, of, my, of my financial gains. You know, I can be a little more risky and aggressive than other things that I do because I always have my rental income to fall back on. So I always encourage young people to invest in real estate. There's just many ways in which you can hedge yourself and create opportunities through real estate. So Andrea, I thank you for writing in. It sounds like you, you're, you're looking to kind of get in there, and I applaud you. Uh, I'm actually just still pumped from last night. I was moderating a, a first-time homebuyer seminar. Uh, it was a packed house, f- at least 50 people who are eager for 2020 to get in the game like Sean did how many years ago. It's, it's definitely not too late. Um, so maybe there's one near you in your neighborhood, um, but definitely seek the information and, uh, you know, make the, make the leap. Well, okay, let's get back to the mailbag. And our next question, let me read this to you. Hi, guys. I enjoy your show very much, and I have a question. I'm retired, own my own home in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. Big up to Biggie. Brooklyn. I have no mortgage. I paid it off six years ago. That's great. I also have money invested in the stock market, and I add to it regularly. She's so knocking she it out. She needs to be on the show. She yeah. can host this bad boy. <laughs> Come on. Here's her question. How can I best utilize slash maximize the equity in my home? Do I sell and move to a less expensive area? That could be. Do I get a home equity line of credit and invest the money into a real estate investment trust or a second rental property? I've considered Airbnb, but would be uncomfortable with strangers in my home. I'm also pretty conservative with a low risk tolerance. What do you suggest? Keep up the good work. Our community needs your show. Wow, that is a very great question. Very well, like just this person yes. is, sounds like, like mm-hmm. I said, they could be a guest. <laughs> right, right. And the fact they've got options. Like I love the fact this person's in an empowered situation. So it shows you when you really are, you know, a steward of your money. You've got choices at options. the tail end of your life because they're retired and now, you know, trying to figure out their next best move. They're living their Can best life. Can I start life. this one off? Sure, go ahead. I just want to give her the biggie small salute. Live from Beth for Stuyvesant. Oh. <laughs> live this one. Get it? Biggie. Congratulations. It's good to have these choices, like Beyonce said. Well, so I would so, just say. So, Dr. Linda and now rapper Sean. Okay, so <laughs> what, what, okay. what do you have to say on this? Well, I'm assuming when you said you retire, you must be heading into, you know, your senior years. And if that's the case, you know, your level of risk should be, you should minimize your level of risk. Like, for example, I was just speaking to a, a good friend of mine, I would consider her almost like a mother figure. And she was telling me that one of her um, family members is looking for her to get a line of credit for $90,000 to invest further into their restaurant business that's not doing so well. 
And I just tried to convince her, hey, you don't want to take on that kind of risk at this point in your life because you don't have a lot of time to recoup as your nephew would, where he's much younger than you and he can take the loss, but you don't want to affect your retirement, which is going to happen in five years. So I'm saying to you, if you've already coasted, you've paid off your debt and you're, you're able to sustain yourself, I don't think the additional risk would be worth it to say get heavily into real estate unless you're trying to create that generational wealth for the next generation. Then that's another conversation. But I would say more or less get into the real estate entrustment and real estate and and, and real estate investment trust because that really minimizes your risk, minimizing people coming staying at your house, minimizing the work that's going to be involved. It's you know it's I think it's a safer investment for you and uh, and go back to the principle that I like always only invest what you can afford to lose. Just for the listeners out there who may be wondering what is a real estate investment trust, um, let me just break it down quickly for you. So a real estate investment trust owns many types of commercial real estate. So it is an investment similar to a mutual fund in the sense that there's, that there's multiple investments within one, you know, one basket. Uh, and it can be ranging from office and uh, to apartment buildings to warehouses, hospitals. Um, so it is an investment. So it's it's not as it's not a tangible investment like an actual uh, buying an actual property. So you are looking at the market when you're buying a, re- a real estate investment trust. Okay, well let's get back to this mailbag. Uh, our next question. Love the show, guys. I'm 26 from Cleveland, Ohio. My name is Lawrence. I've paid off my student loans. That's nice. great. Nice. No other debt. Awesome. Awesome. I make $40,000 a year. How much should I have for an emergency fund? I want to save for five to six years in a black-owned bank. That's great. I want to have $100,000. Is that too much, or should I settle for $50,000 in cash for my emergency fund? Happy 2020. Larry Hurt. Well, Larry... Um, thanks for, for writing in. Uh, we love you too, just for listening. Um, the fact that uh, you make 40K and you want to save 100K, one thing we do have to look at, at, the, at, the, at the, I guess, at the get-go is just numbers. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, we don't know if he's living at home at at, at 26. You know, he's at the beginning of his, you know, adult journey. So I don't know if he's fully adulting and living on his own and paying rent or, you know, what he's doing. But um, for five to six years, making 40 a year and, you know, maybe that's going to increase over the next five to six years. But basically, like you said, it's just math at a certain point of how much you can save to get to that one hundred thousand dollar. It might require a second hustle, a side hustle, perhaps. Right go. to accelerate that that savings, right? Because you could get there if you want to. I would never say settle in any way, and what your goals might be. So you say you want you need an emergency fund, a hundred k. Really depends on your expenses, right? Um, on average, uh, there was a um, I guess a survey done uh, by Wells Fargo, and they recommend having three to six months basically on reserve, but it it does depend on your household income, uh, monthly expenses, if you have dependents. Um, So you'll look at that. I I will say this at 26, I don't know too many of my friends who had a hundred thousand dollars in an emergency fund. So I think that's a great goal. I think that's awesome to even be thinking like this. Yeah, That's one of those like, you know, aim for the, for the moon. And if, even if you miss, you're still among the stars. So if you're aiming for a hundred grand and you end up with a $50,000 $50,000 emergency fund. That's not bad. So Right. Well, I, I'll, let me put on my blue suit, crispy white <laughs> t-shirt, my black what? shoes, my black 
cut my dread, shave my head, and become Mr. Wall Street, okay? Okay. Okay. And I would say this, you know, and I, I love to encourage this in our community. We've all been, and if you listen to our our, our, our episodes about savings, we all have been encouraged through our lives to save, 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 which is nothing wrong with that. But we're not encouraged to invest. And I hear you trying to hit a milestone of 50000 100000 but I'm not hearing you discuss investing. And I think at 26 years old, you know, I'm assuming you have no kids and no responsibilities, that you don't, at 50000 savings is just something nice to look at. I think, you know, at your age, you should maybe have a minimum a minimum of maybe $10,000 in savings. And the other $40,000, you should invest in. You should invest in the market. And the same money that you, I mean, if, you, if you're worried about the risk, you can invest in assets that are what we like to call, quote unquote, near cash, where they're easily convertible into cash, like stocks, like bonds, those type of things. But I also look to invest in something that's not near cash, like real estate, and start focusing on creating multiple streams of investments. Uh, and start multiple streams of revenue and start thinking of the mindset to having your money work for you, you not working for your money. So I think you should, emergency fund should be a minimum of about 10000 and the rest you should look to invest. Well, Larry, I think it was a great question. I think that's a great answer, Sean. And uh, we thank you. We appreciate your question. We have uh, more in the mailbag. Well, be- before we jump off, though, I just wanted to, uh, you know, you can certainly do Google University, Lawrence. Um, but just for our listeners out there uh, who are in Cleveland, who may also want to, you know, uh, you know, embark on the same movement and, and, and bank black. Um, I can give you three options all off the top of my head. Urban Partnership Bank um, is one black owned bank in Cleveland. Uh, there's Faith Community United, as well as PNC Bank. But of course, you know, do your research. Okay. Well, we have more in the mailbag for you we, in our, on our We've Got Mail show. So stay tuned and keep it locked on Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 
Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are in the bag. We are in our mailbag. We've got mail. We are reading the viewer mail and answering the questions that the people have sent. So also, if you're sitting at home and you have questions, be sure to send us uh, your your questions to tbgwgc at gmail.com. Perfect. So let's get back in this mailbag. Our next letter. Let's get into it. Hello. First of all, my wife and I are in California, West Coast, and we love your podcast. We have a podcast of our own built around the unique beginnings of our relationship called the Snooks and Lovey Show. And one, of, and one of our listeners in New York recommended your show to us after listening to one of your episodes in December of 2018. Snooks and I immediately resonated with the student loan episode and began listening to most of the episodes in your catalog. Anyway, why not all Snooks? Why not all? <laughs> yeah, come on, Snooks. Come on, Lovey. We need on, you to listen it. to the whole catalog. <laughs> catalog. <laughs> well, anyway, in your latest episode, Sean emphasized mitigating the risk of investing in pot and mentioned a couple of ways, but I was surprised you didn't mention <sighs> constellation. <laughs> but I was surprised you didn't mention Constellation Brands' multi-billion-dollar investment in cannabis growth um, in your beloved Canada. You could invest in beer directly and cannabis indirectly. Keep up the great work and education. Ernie Kaysen, a.k.a. Lovey. Any um, immediate thoughts on this question? That was a mouthful. Well, that, that was. Uh, yeah, I, I would say this. Yeah, big you ups know, to Snooks and Lovey, by the way. Thanks yes. for listening to our show. Go, yeah. Podcast exactly. Love and and, I, and love. I've, I've reciprocated and listened to your show as well, Snooks and Lovey. I think it's, it's, I think it's great. I even left a comment about you guys on iTunes. So I think that's great. Thank you for listening to our show. And I would say this, you know, it's funny because when we did a show on the cannabis or marijuana, the market was hot. And now it's kind of starting to settle. And it gets back to what even Arlington loves to say about, you know, managing the risk and, uh, and exposure. So you have these things that, you know, they come out the box and everybody's jumping on them. But then they eventually begin to settle. You know, marijuana is still fairly new. And even now, as we still move forward to doing that show, I think it was about two years ago. Um, they still the federal reserve, the federal government, sorry, hasn't legalized it. So it's still hard to bank it, and hence why it's not doing so well, because by now people thought it was going to be legalized by the federal government, and it isn't. So these are the things that you have to be aware of and before you like put all your marbles in these type of investments. So wait a second, Sean. I thought you can't even ba- you can't bank this money because of the it's not legal yet, right? Correct? Well, it's legal in some states, but it's not legal federally. So in other words— yeah, you can't. It's against a lot federal. And this is the problem with what's happening in this whole cannabis industry. You can literally still the feds can come and get you. This is under the mattress money. <laughs> yeah, you can be doing it in, in your state and the feds can come arrest you. You know, does it happen often? Not really. So until the states and the federal government aligns themselves, then it's still a, somewhat of a risky investment. OK, well, thanks for the question, Lovey. We appreciate it. And again, thanks for listening to the show. And everyone check out the Snooks and Lovey show. Well, let's get back to the bag. Our next question Good morning. I am a new listener. Well, thank you. We appreciate new listeners. I have about a 720 credit score, and I wanted to know what cards you all recommend for travel, for rewards, and for 0% interest. Thank you, Deborah Brown. Well, thank you, Deborah, for the question. Um, So, Dion, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I I like to go to my friends over at nerdwallet.com. They love a good list, right? And it's January 2020. Um, so they actually gave um, a few that actually address what you um, are actually asking directly. Um, 
Their number one card recommendation for uh, bonus rewards was Discover It Cash Back. Um, 0% annual fee. 1% to 5% reward rate. Okay. Um, for easy redeem travel rewards, they recommended the Chase Sapphire mm-hmm. preferred card. There is an annual fee here, though, of $95, but then you have to, again, look at, you know, cost versus reward. Uh, you get one to five times the rate on your rewards. But the Chase card offers a 60,000-point intro offer when you sign up. Okay. So, again, that might outweigh the, the annual fee. Um, Citibank has the City Diamond Preferred card, and uh, NerdWallet gave this a 4.5 rating, uh, and that one's uh, for the longest 0% period. Okay. For transfers only, though. How long is that period? Is that the 24-month? Uh, they give about 21 months okay. of zero at 0% interest. interest. Uh, the only con here, no rewards. Got it. All right. Sean, do you so have just any? To get you, give you a taste. Any, any thoughts on this topic? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, we did a great show with Derek Poe, uh, credit show. Like, we got a hack for that. Um, I think he dropped a lot of jewels. And I think a credit card, you know, you don't have to be married to one card. Opportunities and promotions for cards happen all the time. And if you see an opportunity that, that like Dion just mentioned, it's giving a lot of bonus award points and, and a lot of cashback points or whatever to your needs. And if you can take advantage of that card, I do it all the time, you know. My stay-at-home card is, you know, I love American Express Platinum. I just think they have a lot of rewards and a lot of travel benefits. But, you know, you can, you, can, you can roam around a little and find out the opportunities and Google them and see who's offering the best deals as far as travel. All right. Well, thank you again, Deborah. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate your question. So let's move on. Let's get back to the bag. Next question. Hey, guys. My name is Mike, and I've been listening to your podcast while at work. Okay, Mike, make sure you get your work done while you're doing this. We, we don't want to be the cause of any uh, layoffs. Damn, <laughs> man, you got two black guys with good credit. We, we'll take care of Mike. Keep listening to the episode. Let everybody on your floor know about the Let everybody in your office know about the show. Let them know, hey, when I'm not working, I listen to two black guys with good credit. Let them know. All right, well, let me finish this question. So I've been listening to your podcast while at work. I had a question about leasing furniture to boost credit. Me and my wife are moving into a place and wanted to get new furniture instead of buying secondhand like we've usually been doing. My question is, is leasing furniture a good way to improve credit? And is it a wise move to help jumpstart your credit? Thank you in advance. Well, I would just say off the rip, Mike, just to answer your question. Sure, it could be um, you can improve your credit by leasing furniture technically. Like, yeah, if you buy it and you make your payments on time, that could technically improve your credit. So to technically answer your question, now I don't know if it's a wise move to lease furniture. That's another topic. But, it, you know, Dion, Sean, any thoughts on leasing furniture to improve your credit? Well, let me just give this analogy. You can, you can, you can, you can hunt a bird with a slingshot. You can hunt it by just throwing a rock at it. Or you can get a gun and just shoot that damn bird. Okay? <laughs> so my point is... <laughs> All three might kill the bird, but <laughs> all three might kill the bird, but it might be a long and slow process if you try to try to get a rock and try to right. hit the bird or use a slingshot, right? So I would say, yes, in theory, you can use furniture leasing to probably somewhat move your credit score. But would I use it as my first option and my only option? I probably use it as no option. I would more look to maybe um, credit card, putting something on a credit card, paying it off in full every month showing that kind of thing, or even leasing a car, car note, auto payment, but 
leasing furniture, I don't think it's one of those top 10 things to improve your credit but, score. But also my objection, my objection would be because if you're spending money to lease this furniture and, you know, after, you know, a year of, of leasing, you could have potentially purchased that furniture. That's to me why I don't think leasing furniture is a good idea is because you could have ended up ended up buying the piece of furniture for the money that you're spending to lease. Now, if you're leasing to own, maybe that's another a better angle. But to, you can, you know, if you're paying your bills on time and you, you're using credit to get it, yeah, sure, your your credit report will reflect positive positively if you're properly paying your bills. I just don't know that leasing furniture is a smart thing to do with your money, like in terms of just the technical aspect of it, right. No, no, I was going to say I'm definitely with you, Sean, in that um, oh, and Matt, in the sense that I would look at getting them looking into the store card if they actually offer credit at the actual store. Um, that will give you so much more of a boost. And if you have a good credit, we don't have a sense of what their credit score is, um, but you could get zero percent and actually get a free loan. And as long as you pay that off within the, you know, the time period that they allot. You know, you're ahead of the game, you're building credit history, and um, that would have a much bigger boost than leasing is my my take on it. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to I'm doing this for the love of you, Mike, for the love of our listeners in the show that do black guys and good credit is about you, the people and not about the corporate. We're not we're not sellouts. So we are going to maybe potentially lose a potential sponsor by me saying this. I'm not a fan of the rented centers. OK, when it comes to renting furniture and renting all that kind of stuff. I think they gouge at people. I think their prices are not, it's not, it, I think you do better by just going into a conventional furniture store and looking to own your furniture and get a payment plan that works for you, like Matt suggested. So I'm not encouraging you to do um, leasing furniture, in my opinion. All right, Mike. Well, we appreciate the question. And to, you know, finally reiterate again, yes, you could in theory, improve your credit. If you, you know, pay your bills on time, if you're as leasing furniture, you can still improve your credit, but the room is not necessarily uh, for leasing furniture in, in principle. Unanimously again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very leak, uh, but warm. keep listening and, and let us know um, if you have any other questions and let's move on. Let's get back to the bag. Our next question. My name is Brandon and I'm from Illinois. As of January 1st, weed is legal here. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and a buddy of mine would like us to open a dispensary together. A, what do you think of the idea of opening a dispensary? B, what type of partnership should we form? LLC, uh, an S Corp partnership agreement. And C, what can I do with the cash since I cannot open a business account? Help, sincerely, weeded in the eye, a.k.a. in the weeds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he wants to say uh, anonymous for this one. <laughs> All right. Brandon from Illinois. Let's break it down. Let's start with A. What do you guys think of opening a dispensary? Hey, I think of the opportunities there and the business opportunities there and you kind of assess the business. I wouldn't put all my marbles into it, but if you can put less than, you know, 20 to 30 percent of your investment money into something like this, I say, why not? And go for it. What do you guys think about the question, A? I mean, yeah, I, I think this is a definitely a lucrative uh, potential business to, to get into. We're in the early stages. Um, so there are problems, which, you know, he's outlining in his overall question. But um, I definitely think you should consider it. I, it's, it's something where I think uh, people are going to see a lot of gains in the future, in my opinion. So I, I'm not against it, but there are problems. 
Um, I wanted to touch on the fact that the fact you're going into the type of business you're going into, you mentioned what you know, what kind of company should you form or structure should you form? Um, we did do a show called Legalize It. And this, no this is definitely a, a, a no pun intended. Um, when we talk about exposure, this is definitely a, a company that I would say to look more at a corporation. If that's possible, because remember, this federal, it's not federally legal. So I don't even, you know, that's maybe an accountant question. Ah. If it's possible to open up a corporation for a weed business. Touché. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that because it may not be in your state because it's, it's a, it's a corporation is a federal thing and, and weed is not legal in fe- and federally. So you may have to, only, you may be only allowed to do something incorporating on a state level, which would maybe only limit you to a partnership or, um, or, uh, or a sole proprietor. And that cha- that's a game changer because all the risk and exposure is at you. Well, allow me to answer qu- part C of the question. What can I do with the cash? I would say you can put it under your mattress. You could put it in the closet. You could put it invest in some suitcases, shoebox, shoeboxes. No, I'm joking. Any any thoughts on on what he can do with the cash since he can't open up a business account? Well, you still have to report it to the government. You still have to file it and pay the normal taxes on it. I mean, there's a lot of you can then. You know, I would like I said, I'd only put twenty to thirty percent of my investment money in something like that. And then I would use then I would put something into that more that I don't want to use the word legal because it's illegal, but more that it's accepted by the federal government, another venture. And then the cash you're getting from say, for example, you bought real estate. You can use the cash to pay for your renovations, to pay your contractors, those type of those type of things, you know, that can help propel another business. I wouldn't go all in on weed, in my opinion. And it's you know the ironic thing is that we had the mailbag question, we've had shows about retirement, about bonds, about life insurance, about real estate. And we're getting all the weed people. Well, there's a lot of questions in, in, in that in that in that world. So, um, well, again, I want to thank Brandon for your question and all of our all of our mailbag yes. questions for the day. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more two black guys with good credit. So keep it locked. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today has been our We've Got Mail edition of the show, and we've pretty much gone through the mailbag and answered your questions. Uh, And I think it's been a great show. So, Dion, can you um, give the people the info so they can send us more of this wonderful mail? We want more. So please email us your questions to tbgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review and make it easier for others to find us. Like Practical Advice from Jelani Nakai Turner. She said, great podcast for practical real-life changes. Thank you, Jelani. That's what we're trying to do here, just keeping it practical and life-changing. Absolutely. And, folks, you don't have to just send questions about your weed, so you can send us (laughs) about other questions as well. (laughs) And I I will say this. I will say this. We charge a very high rate. It's called a 0% commission. We do this for free. Free 99. And the only thing I ask, I know Dion says it time and time again, Please, your only fee and requirement to us is to leave us a review on iTunes saying how much you love the show and encourage your friends to listen to the show. That's it. That's your fee for all this great free financial advice. 
Okay. Well, thanks again, everyone, for all the mail. We appreciate it. And be sure to send us more mail for the next mailbag. And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. And I'm Matt Smith, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I'm Sean, the better half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And as I say every week, all day, every day, keep your money where it belongs in your damn pocket. And I'm out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.